Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting because some people. Just, you know, stay in touch with our college friends and that's where it ends. But thank God I have a platform to tell people what my good friends are doing. And Ashi, always, you're no exception, <laughs> man. You are kicking ass during this COVID, calming people down, getting people the information they need, the factual ones, by the way. So first of all, how are you doing now that we're in like another craze dealing with the riots? Um, thank God the location that I'm in, I'm okay. I'm safe. Um, I'm not in any danger when it comes to any of the rioting that's going on. Um, but you know, otherwise in terms of coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever, I, myself, my family healthy and, uh, and are doing well. So thank God, thank God, you know, just stay in. How'd you guys do it? Did you just wash everything 5,000 times and make sure you were sanitized every time? <laughs> Well, for the most part, it's um, back at home with my parents and my brother. So it's just the four of us. We really don't go out much, mm. um, try unless we have to you know, kind of thing. My father still goes to work when he has, he runs, uh, he, he runs part of the kosher kitchen at mm-hmm. Crest Hollow Country Club. So, Which you, you might know, actually he, know if you're listening at City Field, they're right there at City Field. So that's pretty cool. Yes, actually, my father and I used to represent, used to work at the kosher uh, stands at City Field. So uh, <laughs> that was that was always a lot of fun. And um, my buddy Ellie is one of the owners and, you know, shout out to Ellie and the kosher stand at City Field. But, uh, you know, that for us, it, that hits home right there. I'm a Yankee fan, you know that. The whole, right. But I love baseball and, you know, kosher food being my background and everything in terms of Judaism. So that's fun. <laughs> well, now that we're on baseball for a minute, because we have that bond as well. We love the game. We love the sport. But, you know, they have windows. I mean, what's to say these rioters won't even go into the stadiums? I wonder how they're protecting them right now from all this. Uh, I think there's a lot of um, security out there. That's, But I also don't think – I don't know exactly where all the rioters are, but it hmm. seems if you look at the location of a lot of these riots, it's more near a lot of retail areas. Mm-hmm. Sadly, in many places, it's starting to – venture into more residential areas um but also remember a lot of these riots that i've seen and a lot of the information that i've seen about it is has is not really connected at all with mm. the black lives matter movement it's no it's not it's not it's at all. just people taking advantage of the situation to try and either get out some anger or just destroy or when they're looting just you know, line their pockets because I know I have a lot of a lot of friends who are part of the BLM movement, and the, and to my knowledge, mm-hmm. it's all been 
peaceful protests until instigated. And they're they're good people uh, when it comes down to it. Yep. it. I don't see anyone doing anything like that. So in my opinion, I don't have any facts to it, but I feel like that's just the wrong people taking advantage of a really shit situation. Of a, the ba- of a disaster. Right? And yeah. you know, this is a sadly another thing where somehow a external dark force has hijacked this. I truly believe the COVID crisis was hijacked to a point where we're all locked in, suicides are going up. That would that could have been handled, should have been handled so much better. And they're putting people back in nursing homes. I mean, come on, wake up. That's what the there's that was a lot issue. of there are a lot of things that people that, that I feel are not being handled correctly. Not just you know you can't just blanketly say oh the president isn't doing it correctly because honestly how can the president control a virus? Yes, some things he said have been idiotic. Mm-hmm. and wrong but at the same time it's not all on him there are so many right. other people in power so many other people that are making decisions and that are choosing to handle it incorrectly in my opinion yeah. and you know i literally just watched a video of this girl probably in her 20s who was was uh arrested for looting mm-hmm. and then released from being arrested and then went back to the same exact precinct to file a police oh, that the, that the, um, report because her vehicle was, yeah, but her right. vehicle, sorry, I, I think I froze up. I didn't get her that, vehicle no, was, I didn't be, get that context. I saw the video. I only saw her being kicked out and I think they might've um, yeah. doctored that video. Cause now you're saying there's more to that story than what well, we saw. From what I heard was from what I heard and what I saw is that, she was arrested for looting, then she was released, and then she went back to the same precinct, and they kicked her out right? because she went back to the same precinct because she wanted to file a police report because her car was broken, destroyed, whatever, you know. And yet she's part of the – that's, that's a complex that, – that's just disappointing. And she, and she was to, part of it. And to go, exactly. And to go back to my point prior, she wasn't black. Right. So – You know, so it's going back to the whole issue of the wrong people taking George Floyd and what should be Mm -hmm. used as a platform for change for, you know, it's 2020. Why the hell are we still having these discussion? This discussion. It should not. It should be completely. It's nonsensical to me. But the fact that it's still out there and it's still an issue is something that has to change and is something that has to really be opened up and people have to really do the right thing about it you know know, me i don't i don't like a lot of um infringement on our rights but i will say this with what we've seen and now we see minneapolis pd has had an order you could do this as many times you want they did that neck to the knee uh like 237 times since 2015 that's ridiculous but ashi would you say instead of painting all cops broad let's do an internal investigation of every department and say all right, well, this guy has some tendency. This guy, we have to monitor some people. It's tough. It's tough, in my opinion. I don't know exactly, but I can say from my little knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to everything, it's tough to really be able to pinpoint a lot right. of this. Yes, you have some guys who are a little more prone to that type of, you know, to that to that type of action. But at the same time, you can't always know what 
how people are going to act in certain situations. Yes, the neck to the knee thing, uh, the the knee to the neck thing is just nonsensical. You're literally closing up somebody's windpipe. The fact that it happened to a you know African American, a black man mm-hmm. in daylight in broad daylight while he's screaming, "I can't breathe," and then he's murdered by because of this. That's just it. it just makes it just pisses me off. It's it makes unthinkable. No sense. Like, that first of all, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's unthinkable yeah. that that could actually happen in America. I'm be that is unthinkable. Yeah. But um, and to say again, I would even say saying some are have racist tendencies is not a good service to the police because you don't want them saying what is it, who does it mean by some? You know, you want them on your side too. So the mayor has to deliver things better. But let's put on your exactly. real, your real estate hat for a minute. <laughs> You're seeing Saks okay. Fifth Avenue being boarded up. I mean, this is what we are. This is 2020. Our main yeah. store is being boarded up. You see Herald Square, Macy's being looted. Is there a chance these big companies truly start moving their headquarters elsewhere and business elsewhere? I don't really see that happening um, because the whole point of these businesses being in the area that it is, it's because A, high traffic areas mm-hmm. for high, more or less high net worth people or just people looking to shop, especially in those areas, New York City, and if you're going into LA also with everything going, going on over there, mm. um, they're all places where people go as tourists as well looking. So in my opinion, also the idea of all that moving is probably not happening, but also, you know, you think about everything that's happening in the retail sector with J crew mm. and um, Nordstrom Ra- uh, Nordstrom yeah. and all these companies that are starting to file for bankruptcy protection. Oh my gosh, it's horrible. You know, it's been, it's been a long time coming with the whole transition with Amazon and online shopping that a lot of these different department stores are really going out of business or they're really shrinking. And I don't really foresee them leaving, especially because, you know, New York city and LA Mm -hmm. and these big hubs, I don't see that happening. Um, You know, if I could predict the future, I, you know, no Stradamus, I'd whatever I'd be, you know, I'd be much in a much better place than yeah. I am now, but I just, I don't think it's really, that is really going to change much. I think there's going, there should be, and hopefully there's going to be a massive change in the way things are approached and taken care of mm. that hopefully something like this is not really going to happen again. But at the same time, we've been saying this for so many years and yeah. we continue to have the same issues. Ashi, you're in this biz. What are real estate agents, what are your clients telling you about their property right now? And those in Manhattan specifically. So a lot of people in Manhattan um, are actually, especially since what just happened um, mm-hmm. with all the riots, not even the protests, because protests when done as protests, right. they, it's not going to cause unrest like this. It's going to cause mental anguish and like emotional anguish for people and people are going to want to do something about it but these riots and Mm. and all that it's causing a lot of people from high density areas and areas like brooklyn like this like manhattan that are being centralized and being really hit hard by this we're getting calls about renting places so like a lot of properties that are on on the market to be sold they're calling and asking for short-term rentals while they're being sold So people will live in them, excuse me, live in those houses for a month, two months, three months, or even see if they can 
get a standard lease with them for a year or so to rent these houses um, during this. It sounds a bit like a B- Airbnb kind of situation happening now. She has short-term rentals, uh, legal short-term rentals. Airbnb, you know, people have issues with them for yep. whatever reason because there's so many, you know, whatever the reasonings behind it. But a lot of these short-term rentals, a lot of them you could think of more as seasonal rentals. Um, but I, you're going to see a lot of these starting to pop up more, especially because of what's happening. Mm. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people with the coronavirus and the pandemic and being in quarantine, they're thinking, okay, my one-bedroom, two-bedroom, whatever apartment in the city doesn't really cut it for me. I need to have a little more room. I need to buy a house with a yard or just have more room to myself than just, you know, a thousand, 2000 square feet in the village. I need something that's out in a community where I can go outside and not really worry as much. So you're seeing a lot of that happening. And with the phase two coming up very Mm -hmm. soon, um, there was a massive influx of houses being thrown on the market to be sold over the past week. Um, so you're going to see a lot of that happening because people want to move. People want to get the heck out of New York now because of what's happening. Uh, pe- people are changing. Neighborhoods are going to be changing. People moving in, people moving out, that type of thing. So Ashi, we've we'll, we, we have already seen 420,000 people leave New York right now because of COVID alone. And the problem is there's no incentive for them to come back. None whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know what the numbers are um, exactly, but over year over year, whenever people, let's say for argument's sake, these aren't real numbers. Let's say for argument's sake, a million people move out of New York, it's a million plus move in. So we have a lot of people leaving, but at the same time, we're in New York, we're on Long Island, we're in the city. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a place where people want to be. So you're going to have a lot of people moving in as well as moving out. Yeah, we do have a lot of people moving out, but you're probably going to have a lot of people moving in. Ashi, and that's a good thing. I want, I want people coming back in, hopefully soon enough. Um, but the short-term rental thing, is that still a damage to the economy or will that give it a boost? I think if anything, it'll give it somewhat a boost. Um, I, 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 honestly, I don't think it's a negative when it comes to it because it is some type of commerce. Money is exchanging hands. But at the same time, people, it's a shuffle of people. People are moving from one place to another. It's just, I don't really see it as, as much of a negative, um, in my opinion, uh, but I'm not where, an economist. Where has, <laughs> where have we gone to where riots are, are, should be defended and you can't talk about reopening the economy, but we must talk about these riots and, and, you know, you have to, I don't, it just like, you can't say, Hey, I want the economy open too. While this is going on, they won't let you say it. And I don't understand why I don't understand. It's why. the insensitivity. Um, of people in general Um, because everyone is trying to be politically correct in everything that they say and therefore causing strife between issues that shouldn't be in my Mm. opinion you know I don't think that the riots really are connected to the protests of course not like that's my opinion Um, but people feeling that these riots are causing the economy to go down even more it's a different type of economy remember our the united states economy is really complex when it comes to a lot of what's going on so the the economy technically is open because they're still trading in terms of the stock market there's still a lot of commerce happening there's still a lot of uh, a lot of business happening but at the same time you have a lot of businesses closed in terms of restaurants 
and bars and a lot and of these high traffic person well hair salons i just got uh i just spoke to my my girl um and i have my I have my haircut for <laughs> june 15th finally to get my to get my main cleaned up you know it's shades of 2017 when my hair was down to my shoulders um, i can't remember that because we went to the islander game and it was all, like all puffy out there i remember that yeah my my hair gets crazy when it's not when it's not taken care of but going back to what you said mm-hmm. i think that the economy is still open um certain things are not so to an extent the economy is open but i think with the riot also remember when are the riots taking place majority of the riots that at are night. happening that are occurring are at night if you look at a lot of the protests that are occurring, that are happening, they're during the day. Mm-hmm. Two, in my opinion, two different types of people are coming out at night and during the day with everything going on. So the, the economy being open and people being out and about, there's nothing we can do about it. People should be protesting. People should be doing their, you know, practicing their right to have their I voice agree. heard in a situation like this, but opening up the economy in terms of having bars and restaurants open, my opinion, I think we should still be very wary about opening up because with the spread still being a big thing, and we don't even know what, with everything happening right now, what the, in what the, what the trend is going to be with the coronavirus. Is it going to go up? Is it going to stay stagnant? Is it going to go down? So mm. if we don't really see many new cases coming out, I think that we'll be on our way to finally being back, but back actually, on what track. About, what about the business owner? And because I feel this too inside of me, it's like saying, well, you'll let the riots happen, but you won't open a, a small business up. You'll There's find them. two, just- that's, that's apples and oranges in my opinion. Um, okay. You can't, you can't stop riots from happening, especially with the pretext that they're rioting under mm. um, because first of all, trying to control a situation like this, what are you going to use lethal force and start killing everybody? They're, they're using rubber bullets. They're using tear gas. They're using pepper spray and all of that, but it's not changing because of the pretext. Right. Um, and the issue then comes is that people are trying to connect the two and they're, is no connection between human rights and civil rights being one side and then businesses being open, being the other side. I think in my opinion, human rights and civil rights should take Mm -hmm. precedence over anything and everything. Um, You know, I have a few business partners who are black. I have a lot of people I work with and I do see it when we're out and certain conversations that we have and the way we look at things and to understand being Jewish I've seen a lot of it and I've experienced some of that type of, you know, anti-Semitism being similar to that of racism. But at the same time, if I take my yarmulke off, you don't know that I'm Jewish unless you know me. But when with your skin color, you're not, you can't take that off. You can't change. You shouldn't change the way you look. And then just people are going to act differently towards you because of that. You know, what's the difference between me being white and them being black? The fact that they have more melanin, like, come on, there's no difference. So in my, so when it comes to that, people should be, that issue should be taken care of or as close mm-hmm. to rectified as we can possibly get it to. Sure. Um, and not really be like, oh, well, they're doing, they are rioting, they're protesting. Then why can't we open our businesses? It's, in my opinion, there, there really isn't much of a, 
a connection between the two. Like that. Well, since we last talked, and we talked like at the beginning of this whole thing, since yeah. we last talked, we had seen the mayor interrupt a Jewish funeral. And look, I'm frustrated because, I mean, the Blasio alone, but I'm also frustrated that the Orthodox community sometimes does not believe in, in science. I don't know, maybe I'm saying it wrong. So you're correct. There's a certain part of the Orthodox community. Um, remember, it's not like, like everything. It's not a complete blanket. Sure. Uh, it's usually what's called the Hasidim. Uh, the ones with the curlies, it's called payas or payot. They're the ones who don't really seem to listen. A lot of them, not all of them, some of them, but th- these are the ones that are in the that are in the news that they they don't really listen to other authorities. They speak to their rabbi. They hear from their their rabbinical hierarchy, and what they say really is what they'll do. And sometimes they just won't listen to other types of or the nation's um, rules because you know it conflicts with whatever their reasoning is, and mm. that then causes these issues with the funerals, with the gatherings, with them going to synagogue, with the weddings, and all that, which then caused this whole thing they didn't want to wear the face masks for whatever reason you know it is you know i don't have that big of a beard but some of these guys have big beards and it gets uncomfortable when you have the face mask on for too long i get it but at the same time the face mask isn't really for you it's for everybody around you so it should be in my opinion in Judaism, we have a big thing about you know looking after your brother and your sister Mm -hmm. your you know your other human beings um and by not wearing them, that kind of goes against that, but whatever. I'm not going to, I can go on a rant about that. Ashi, I'm so glad we're, ha- no, I am very glad we're having this discussion <laughs> because yeah. I, I think of a lot of communities that are used as political pawns, right? So the conservatives are trying to use the Jewish community to say, hey, faith and religion. I mean, sometimes I feel that anyway, maybe I'm wrong. And then you've got other minorities being kind of pawns to the other side. It's like, just have dialogue. This is more important because you have a platform, you're influencing people and maybe the way people think about the Jewish community as you talk about the, it. The issue with a lot of this comes down to having dialogue nowadays. It seems like it's much more difficult to be able to have an, let's call it adult conversation. Mm-hmm. Because I know, for instance, I got into my first Facebook fight with somebody um somewhat recently and there was no reason for the argument it was just automatic i said when this person was saying about reopening um reopen the economy this is back in the in the beginning middle of may and they're like we should reopen the economy let's open up and let's just go because i think wisconsin when wisconsin was opening up Yep. And I post uh, one of my friends on Facebook posted, you know, Wisconsin is opening up. Why aren't we opening? And so I said, well, you're going to see in the next couple of weeks that the Corona, that we're going to have so many new coronavirus um, mm-hmm. cases now coming out of Wisconsin. And then this person who I'm not friends with on Facebook and I've never met this guy before. He starts attacking me and calling me names because I said that, like, he's like, oh, you want these people to have, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm using logic. Right. If in a situation where we have viruses and people are going to be in close quarters and everything's reopening and everyone's going to be around each other and everyone's mm-hmm. going to be breathing on each other and, you know, germs are going to be all over the place. Chances are 
there's a very high possibility that there's going to be new coronavirus. There's going to be a second outbreak. There's going to be more cases, whatever you want to call it. And without even having a conversation, this gentleman in his 50s or 60s, something like that, is, uh, he, he just started attacking me and calling me names and telling me, uh, and telling me that I, you know, I'm not going to say certain things that he said, but use your imagination. And I'm, I literally, the argument started with him with that. And I was like, buddy, I'm, I think we should, I don't, I don't want these people to have the coronavirus. I really hope right. this would be gone. But, and I would love to have the economy open. Don't get me wrong. I wish every, my business, the, the business loans company, we went from closing $3 million plus a month in loans to closing maybe a quarter of a million dollars. We, our business is basically not non-existent right now. There's so many companies and so many of my clients are either closed, not, out of, not in business. I had a whole conversation with, I was on the phone with a client of mine for two hours trying to pause their payments on a loan because their business went from up here to down there in two months. And he's like, if I can't rectify this, I'm going to have to go, I'm, I'm going bankrupt mm-hmm. in eight weeks. And I'm like, that's not what I want for anybody. I want everybody to prosper. I want everybody to make money. My philosophy has always been, if you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm. And working with other people, working together, trying to make everyone prosperous and everyone be in a good financial situation, that's the last thing I want. So this guy who doesn't know me is saying these things and I'm like, dude, calm down. Well, and that's what I love about you because you are bringing a calming force to this whole situation. And I want to get to that in a second. But the ones that say why, you know, I kind of wrote, you know, we'll be like the ones asking Cuomo to go outside as if we were our parents, uh, us as kids asking our parents to go outside. But when you put it the way you did, the honest truth is those geographical states are so different than us. I mean, we are a high density. So to expect, you know, when people say, oh, you guys are wussies or something. No, we're not. We have a high density. We have to do it's this a whole as measured as possible. It's a different anatomy. It's a different, it's a whole different ball of wax, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak. I love metaphors. So whatever, I could go on about that garbage. But it's it's completely different animal. When you're talking about certain places that have like New York, California, you know, even mm-hmm. certain parts of Florida, a lot of these places have such high density areas mm-hmm. that if you're going to open up the chances of people spreading the coronavirus is exponentially higher than if you're out in an area where you have population of only several thousand people rather than the population of the same type of area out here having hundred thousand people. So you're having hundred times more people being exposed to something like this. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. But it's just common sense. If that's the way this spreads, we have to wait until we're in a better position to be able to corral this. And I'm in a, I'm in a, I am now in the vaccine camp. I think we have to truly see how these tests are going to do with the vaccine. Well, I know they've been working on them. There's a few, few out in California. I know um, actually one of the guys that I work with, this loan that I've been working on for the past month and change he has intimate knowledge about in San, he has his companies in San Francisco. He has intimate knowledge about a vaccine that, that, that people are working on that he was helping finance 
um, that they're trying to get. I, ha I know people in Israel that they're working on a bunch of things as well. And the issue is it, it, vaccines don't happen overnight. And then especially right. following the FDA, doing all these trials, making sure everything is good for human you know, consumption, human use, mm -hmm. it's, it's very difficult. And chances of having a vaccine you know, shortly is... I would think not very high. Like, yeah, they might have something. They might have some type of medicine, right? right. But it's not going to be a blanket vaccine. It's not like, hey, here, take the take the shot for uh, for the flu. You know, it's not really the same. Ashley, we love football, and the NFL says, <laughs> yeah, we'll get stands people in the stands, and I'm like, I don't think mm -hmm. you will, bud. I just don't think you will just yet. I would love to be able to have that, but I don't see, but granted the NFL doesn't really open open to like what October. Yeah. September, September October, October. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I feel like at the beginning, it'll be slow. Um, I would love football to come back. I would love hockey. I can't wait for the, for that playoffs. That's going to be happening. Gonna be There's, but like I've been, I miss sports so much. I've been watching Korean baseball on ESPN. It's oh, amazing. Um, and amazing. honestly, they don't have anybody in the stands, so it's a completely different aesthetic when you're watching the game. But at the same time, it's baseball. You still see the fire in the players' eyes. You still mm -hmm. see the way that they play. You know, you don't have that roaring crowd behind you. But at the same time, neither do the Tampa Bay Rays. So, but they still played baseball. <laughs> hey, it's different. I never thought I'd get so excited <laughs> about watching a bases loaded situation in Korea. You know, I'm just, I'm just gonna go there, right? Dude, now. I love, I, I, I love watching it. My father walked into, walked into the room. I was watching baseball, and he was like, "You playing video games?" <laughs> I'm like, "No, this is Korean baseball." And he sat and was watching with me. It's, you know, it's baseball. It's, it's good. Yes, bro. You remember we both woke up very early i'm sure when the yanks played in japan i mean those were like four or five oh, in the morning games so i yeah i got used to that for a minute um but back to real life because here's the thing too i feel like sports should not be the focus right now i do feel like we've got 40 million people to to fix to heal and as i say you bring this calming presence so when clients are coming to you panicking whether at impetus whether at berkshire hathaway how do you bring your character your skill set to calm them down and say hey we're getting through this one by one and with each other. Well, um, for, I, I believe, you know, this, my father, it was a psychologist for many, many years for like 20 something years. He was a psychologist. I grew up with that type of mentality. My mother's a speech therapist. Mm -hmm. My older sister is a teacher. Um, my younger sister also was a teacher, you know, so in how I grew up, it was always about psychology. It was always about being, you know, helping people sure and sure. so my approach to the to the situation is to keep people calm like you said because when you're not calm you make rash decisions you don't always make the right decision so when you are freaking out when you become impulsive you don't always make a decision that you would have made tomorrow mm -hmm. kind of thing so what I do with all of my clients is all of, like, I don't have a, a crazy amount of clients. My company is relatively small, well, very small, honestly, and we're growing. So I have a very intimate number of clients. So all of my clients know they have my direct cell phone number. 
they have my email address, you know, they have my office number, whatever they literally, if you, they want to contact me, unless I'm off the grid, they're right. going to be able to contact me. So they know that I'm always there to listen. Like I have a couple of clients. Like I told you about my client that I was talking to earlier today. I was on the phone, which what could have been 15 minute, even a half hour conversation. I was on the phone with them for over two hours, just talking, just hearing them out. Because when you look at people psychologically, everyone likes to be heard. Everyone likes to be understood. Everyone likes to feel like they matter. Mm. And especially when it comes to business, if you don't let people feel like you care, like they matter to you, regardless the size of the client. I've, I've closed deals, thank God, several million dollar deals, tens of millions of dollars in deals. And I close a deal that's five, $10,000. Each client, no matter how much money I make off of it, each client is the same because each person deserves that type of feeling regardless of their situation, regardless of how big of, of a client they are. Well, That's just ask, my personal opinion. Do you think this then has softened like the um, harder loan officer, or however you want to say, like the collectors? Do you think the situation has softened them or have you seen instances where they're like, no, we still need it during this time? A lot of the, so the issue is you've seen, especially with the coronavirus and especially with quarantine, so many companies have either stopped funding and financing deals, stopped lending money, um, all they do is collections. All they do is customer service for their current, uh, for their current borrowers. Um, when it comes to the business financing, uh, you know, so there still are a lot of people of that mentality of, you know, I don't care. You're just a dollar sign to me. Um, there are still sadly too many of those, but in my industry, in the alternative financing markets, a lot of them have been have closed their doors. A lot of them are looking for work or just, you know, waiting, hoping that everything opens back up. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's really changed that much. People, you know, uh, zebra doesn't change the stripes. Mm-hmm. People are how they are. And yeah, you have some people who are a little more, I guess, a little, a little more apt to listen, but some people just don't care. And Ashi, you you try to do the best you can for your clients, and then you see, and then you see big companies getting these PPE loans, and it's like, how does that even happen? Do you, does that cross your mind a lot? I think when the PPP loans first came out, um, I was pissed hmm. because I, over at Impetus, we applied with all of our clients all of our current clients. And we started, we didn't make, we don't make any money off of the PPP lending. We're not, we don't get paid off of that. So that for us, the PPP loans were just to help, like to help our clients get them. They could do it themselves. They can go and do it themselves, but they would come to us and we would help them out. We actually developed recently before the coronavirus really hit, we developed a credit repair arm uh, called the credit desk. And so we were utilizing that. And along with one of our new hires, she was an SBA underwriter. So the combination of those two, we were able to put everyone, what we felt was in the best position possible to receive a PPP loan. Because for the PPP loans, they're very specific about 
you know, your information has to be correct and this and that. You can't just willy nilly apply mm -hmm. and get and get approved. And so we thought we did a really freaking good job setting everyone up. And then on the first wave, I think we had one person, one client or something like that got funded. And we were, I was getting calls left and right. And they're like, what's going on? What's going on? What happened with the EIDL loans? What's going on with the PPP? And I'm like, yeah, the government claims that they're out of money. Sorry. Like there's nothing I can do. It's not like, I'm like, Hey, give this person money. Like you're, they're definitely going to do it. Sadly, I have zero, absolute zero power Safe. on that. Right. But then the second, you know, then the second wave, you started to see more. And then the third wave, you're starting to see more um, of these real, these real businesses needing the money. But at the same time, there are so many different guidelines that because the PPP is supposed to be forgiven if you follow mm. certain guidelines and some of these guide guidelines pre are prerequisites to getting the PPP. So they'll get the PPP, but then right off the bat, because in March or April, they didn't follow what the guidelines mm. are because they didn't know they have to pay it back. So it's not a hundred percent forgiven. Granted it's much cheaper, but at the same time, do you really think half of these, half of um, these people are going to be able to really pay it back, or what's no, going to happen? And I'm glad you brought this up. I'm glad you brought this up because I wonder how they're going to collect all this money that they've been giving us. I don't know how they're going to do it. I've I haven't seen a contract with the PPP, um, and all of that. I know they just had. We were talking about this a second ago before we got on the air, but the the thing that they just passed that the government just passed was they're going to loosen up the regulations and they're going to loosen up um, the forgiveness policy on it. So hopefully that's going to help. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, my opinion on these PPP loans and everything like that, it's just a bandaid. You're going to see over the next six to nine months, you're going to see an uptick of 30% probably give or take of people applying for bankruptcy and filing bankruptcy. You're going to see the, you know, foreclosure markets going back to how it was in 2009, 2010, you know, because going back to that with the real estate side, mm -hmm. tying a bow on that, you, with this forbearance and everything, it's saying, Oh yeah, don't pay for three months, but, then month number four, you know, those three months that I just uh, gave you that you didn't have to pay. Oh yeah. Uh, on the fourth month, you got to pay all three months. Oh, and the fourth month. So basically at yeah, once you're paying four months of back mortgage payment. Is it? So, so gonna, if your mortgage is 3000, 4000 a month and yeah. you're sitting there and you don't have the money to pay, you have pay per month. You don't have a job. Yeah. Maybe you're getting unemployment, but it's not enough. And then you're going to have to sit and drop what $12,000 and a pop. And Gosh, then if you don't do it correctly, then your credit is just going to plummet and you're screwed. So the, the chickens will come home to roost in exactly. a few months. And that will be probably the worst part of this. Not that yes, a hundred thousand died, but that will also be a bad part when this whole thing comes to roost. And I had to say the suicide hotlines are going to be needed, but they will be, they definitely I really be. hope not, but yeah. and and so 
I think they should go to you. I think you've got something where you can talk them off the ledge because you haven't lost your will. And I want you to repeat one more thing you said earlier and that when you do these loan setups, you don't ask for money. So I've got to ask, have other companies that you know done this? Like, hey, we'll do this for you, but for another fee. Like you, you've obviously seen that happen. Well, for the PPP loans, I don't know. I can't speak on other companies, what they did, what they have done. The only thing that myself and my company have asked for in terms of money is if they were signing up for the credit repair um, and loan doc prep for the SBA lending and what have you and all that stuff. Um, otherwise, we, we don't get paid by the government. We don't charge points to our clients. Uh, we don't charge fees to our clients for the PPP or the EIDL or even the SBA, God willing, when the SBA opens back up to be able to lend, we don't get paid by the client. We don't ask them for money. They don't pay us a fee. We get paid by the SBA. We get paid by the government um, on the loan. So we do our best over my company to save our clients as much money as possible, that it's not about the quality of how much we get paid on each loan. It's about the quantity. Since we're a small company, we're able to really take care of everybody and make sure that these loans are really there to help them not to be like, okay, you're getting, let's say $50,000, but, oh, you got to pay 10,000 out of it to a fee right off the bat. And there are other companies that do stuff like that. And so you're thinking about it, this $50,000 can go really far for these business owners. And now they only have 40. So maybe something is going to be left by the wayside. $10,000 difference there. Wow. Whatever it is, you know, it's not real numbers, but it, you know, it can be. Ashi, so. that's that's just kind of heartless if they do put fees on whoever does. Um, I want to ask you this: small business owners are starting to rise up. They're starting to reopen when they shouldn't. They're getting fined. Have any of your clients tried to pull it? Have they tried to reopen? <laughs> um, I have one. I'm not going to say who is a restaurant who did. They tried doing like a whole, you know, patio style restaurant. They did a little something. Cops showed up and shut it down and whatever. But, you know, it's, I personally think it's not a good idea. It'll potentially cause more harm than good for, for the business owners. That's that too. So. Yeah. Not only is there a fine, but also then like some people remember, yeah, everyone's like, Oh, no press is, bad press but at the same time if people see that and people are because you know people get very mm-hmm. emotional and very uh into their own feelings so somebody will say oh you should not do that they're just going to bad mouth you and negative 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 and then you have other people that are going to be positive oh we should help we should help we should help i feel like you'll probably end up causing more harm than good mm. um in, in that regard, personal opinion, of course. I'm glad you said that because that was my next question. What's your advice to other owners that are just itching to open up but risk so much doing so in this time? I think the risk does not equal the reward. I think the reward is too is not enough that the risk is too high and that we're getting so much closer to that phase two opening, to that next phase well, almost Monday is almost here, Ashi. It's almost here. Exactly. Yeah. Right, we're we're getting close. Yeah. yeah. So to push and to force and to press when it's right around the corner, 
like what we've been doing in my company, we still, like, I barely go into the office. My partner, Brian's in the office, but it's literally four people in a, like almost 2000 square foot office. So Brian has his own office Two our two other guys have their own offices. Everyone's careful. We have hand sanitizer throughout. Um, I'm the youngest, I'm 30 and Brian is 42 and two, and one of my, the head admin that's in there, her name is Brittany or she's, I don't know what her, what her title is, but she's sure. basically, if she, if she wasn't there, the entire thing would implode. Um, she's also in her forties. Then you have my two top sales guys, John and Kim, they're 50 and 60. So, you know, everyone's being smart about it. Everyone's, you know, we're not on top of each other. We're, we're social distancing. We're not shaking hands or hugging or whatever. We're being careful. Imagine that, like people close deals. You can't even hug anymore. That's going to be the norm. We, and we are, we all the time, handshakes, fist, fist bumps, hugs, you know, all the time. Dude, you, when you come charging to me, we're bear hugging. So that, that's our nature. Dude, you you know, know, I'm a hugger. Yep. I was just talking to, I was just talking to my buddy about this earlier on the phone. He, he runs, I don't, I, I don't remember the name of the charity, but he basically helps raise money for this charity that he basically runs a lot of their fundraising. And we were talking and you can't really shake someone's hand. You can't, you know, meet someone face to face. And I'm a, as everybody really knows, when you know me, I'm a hugger mm -hmm. and you know, I can't, I, know. I just, I just saw my best friend, my best friend's wife is, my best friend's wife's like six months pregnant, seven months uh -huh. pregnant. And I would spend so much time with them and I hug, you know, I hug her, I hug him all the time. And like, I just saw him on Saturday. I went over to their house on Saturday and we hung out in their backyard and we're sitting and talking, you know, she was over there. I was over here. He was over there that we were all spread out. And like, I got up to say goodbye and I'm like, freeze frame See, that right <laughs> exactly. you know it's just so weird but god willing as everything starts to slowly come back you know mm -hmm. that that will be able to to help and then a lot of like you were you were saying about the suicide hotlines and suicide being a big thing i know me being an extrovert mm -hmm. a lot of you know I'm, I'm a bit of a mixed bag when it comes to it but i love being with people being out being around, interacting, like I said, hugging, shaking hands, physical mm -hmm. interaction with people, it's tough. And some people that don't have the capacity to be able to control, that then causes a lot of these suicidal tendencies. And it's very tough. It's very difficult to work with. I saw my buddy across the street, my neighbor, I gave him an elbow bump, you know, because I still want that, 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 that interaction. So it's, it's got to be there. Yeah, I had a whole list of other things. I feel like we were just running them all down, but as a business owner or a businessman who knows uh, the, the African-American community has, you know, people that own small businesses that are African-American. Yeah. What's your message? If the rioters ever hear this podcast, what's your message to them to say, Hey, the people you are fighting for, you're also harming by ruining their businesses. So, you know, I've, I, there's so many videos that have been out there. I've seen, these these people men women um who are who happen to be black who own these businesses and they're screaming and yelling at these rioters and at these yep. people who are you know not even protesting the rioting and looting and whatever and, and he's like so they're screaming and yelling and carrying on about you know it's not right that you're mm -hmm. you know i worked so hard 
one of my really good friends, his name is, is John, John Roger. He's, he's an African-American dude. He and I are close. We talk all, I talk to him basically every day. Uh, he's part of the real estate investment company that I've spoken about. He's, he's part of my team that we're building it together. Um, his parents own a handful of businesses and, you know, he and I were talking about this yesterday and I literally asked him, I was like, as a white man, like, what am I allowed to say? And because, you know, there's every, everyone says, I am so glad you brought this up by the way, because we're all, we, as, as whites, we still said blackout Tuesday. We still posted the black square and that really did not rub the uh, the community the right way because they're like, but what are you going to do to help us? Well, even so more than that? the the issue with that, with the with only posting the black square and blackout Tuesday, the idea of it is not just posting goodbye. It's mm-hmm. to open a dialogue. It's to start talking. It's to start, you know, everything. A, a picture a picture is worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the whole point of having that black box on Instagram, on Facebook, on whatever is not just post it and yay, you know, Black Lives Matter. No. Blackout Tuesday. No. It's open a dialogue. See, start to implement change. Start to talk about and start to act upon doing it, doing what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Because people say, you know, Back, back with Abraham Lincoln when they were, when he, with the Emancipation Proclamation, stopping slavery and all that. Yeah, that was great, but it wasn't completely done because still in the South, there was still slavery. Then with Martin Luther King Jr., with everything, with everything happening and all the protests, all the mm-hmm. marches and mm-hmm. everything going on and trying to really start some equal start this conversation and create equality between white and black and then with malcolm x and everything else that's going on and to think in 2020 we're still having that same conversation i have a one of this this kid jack who i've who i used to babysit for and he's now 15 years old and he's like a little brother to me um he one of his best friends, his name is Terrell. And I've become really close to Terrell's mother because when I was working with Jack, we, I, he would be with us all the time. I became really close with Shelly. And she, her parents were part of the Black Panther movement. And so she posted on Facebook a picture of her with her kids and a picture of her mother back in 78, wow. I believe it was you know, different pictures of it being a, you know, the family thing. The fact that we're having the same conversations 40, 50 years later means that no progress was made. Not enough progress has been made. Yes. You know, we have had some progress. There is a lot. Yeah. Granted, but not enough progress has been made. So let me read to you what, what my buddy, John, texted me i literally i asked him i was like i basically said i don't want to say anything wrong i don't want to make it into something that it's not and he says you're oh, no, no, no. where is it so i was talking to him about okay here we go honestly he said honestly bro 
you're allowed to say how you really how you really feel i think it's more than a race thing but just humanity a human was killed on camera unjustified everyone can relate because we all are one so to me Mm. all lives matter and it's not about and so that's what he said and we talked more uh you know we talk on the phone i was texting him and the idea of saying all lives matter is not wrong but at the same time when i saw that this metaphor like you like you know i love metaphors all saying all lives matter is like saying all houses matter when one house is on fire but the other house isn't so you're just going to pour water on the house that's not on fire because all lives matter it's not about that all lives don't matter that white lives don't matter that asian lives don't matter that you know samoan lives don't matter whatever other type of race there are it's about the fact that at this point in time we have to focus our energies mm-hmm. on showing that black lives matter because they're the ones under fire they're the ones being treated right really unfairly because of all this and by the and way it's, it's it's beyond it, it is police brutality and the killing of but it's also there are some instances where people don't get hired because of their colors like there's so many things that need to be changed right now and and i think that's coming to light and by the way can the media Mm -hmm. stop saying protesting the death of george floyd because that's true but it minimizes what they're actually there for well the protests were brought on by the death of george floyd but it's a much bigger it's a much bigger reason it's a much bigger platform it's a much it's a, it's a much bigger push than just you know this one man it's all the other you know black men and black women who have been murdered mm. because of police brutality or because just of the color of their skin and until we can sit there and it not be about the color of your skin but about the character that you are regardless of the color of your skin then and only then could we really have any type of equality it's because people still in this day and age look at somebody and judge them based off of the color of their skin and by the way sadly this isn't just the south now it is in the north, it's upstate New York. There are parts of everywhere. It's in, in Minnesota. In the state like and Minnesota. Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's like, come on. So then it's time that we see what more of what we saw today in Brooklyn, where the NYPD went to an African-American church and they started a dialogue. I mean, we cannot be afraid to start a dialogue anymore. And I think the church is a good place to start as well. Being a religious person that is definitely something because there is no place when it comes to religion there is no connection there should be zero connection between religion and racism in religion we preach equality you know you should love Mm -hmm. your fellow man you should love your brother love thy neighbor really right so yeah and just because you love and caring about the person to your right of you and the person to your left of you doesn't matter where they came from what their upbringing is what the color of their skin is you know what the color of their hair is whatever 
it's because they're a human being that you should love them. Like, you know, you're, you're Christian, yeah. Catholic, God forget. But Lutheran and Lutheran. Okay. So you, you believe in Jesus. You believe in the new Testament. I'm Jewish. I believe in the old Testament. Yeah. Religiously, we don't completely see eye to eye in terms of everything, but you're still one of my best friends because it's not about what you, you know, what you practice in terms of your religion. It's about, it's about who you are as a person. Right. It's about character. You know, I tell, I like, I have friends, one of my, one of my other really close friends, part of one of the, part of my team for my real estate company, he's Muslim. He's part, he's, he, he and I work together with, uh, my internet's in now, sorry, uh, at no Berkshire way. Hathaway. His name is Ali. He's Muslim. I'm Jewish. Like, he's one of my closest friends. And we jokingly say, oh, if he's Muslim and I'm Jewish and we can get along, we can sell your house. Like that was back when we, in 2016, 2017. But like, mm. you know, it's, it's not about what you believe in as a religion. It's who you are morally, who you are, what your character is. And Ashi, I, I would encourage people when this opens back up, they go to the third floor of the student union at Queens College. where yeah. you have the Newman Center, the chapel, you've got, uh, Hillel in the same floor and right across from them you've got the Islamic Association. I mean you've got all three Muslim you know religion also there all three of them on the same floor that's such a powerful statement in of itself. Remember there was uh, I don't know if it's changed I what, graduated in 2014 so six years ago now but there was an area with couches and we used to hang out there all the time Mm-hmm. didn't matter who you were didn't matter right. what religion you followed everyone was together was, was welcome exactly yeah exactly ashi how can we use our platforms better than and everyone hung out and that's where i developed oh. a lot of friendships mm. how can we use our platform better yeah dialogue talking to people not being afraid to you know to talk about it and use Honestly, it's hard and use the privilege that we were given to be able to cause change and the right mm. type of change. Ashi, I love that so much. And I do think I do think leadership on all fronts, as much as I have like Trump in the past, I'm gonna say this again. We're seeing how the, the politicians are not there for us one hundred percent. That's why we have to be there for each other. The when you look at politics, my brother and I had this discussion, my brother just graduated law school and we had this discussion that originally there should back with George Washington, they didn't want two party situation Love you. because that would create political divide and they didn't want, you know, career politicians. And that's what we're seeing that it's not about the politics. It's not about getting things right and doing right. what is right for the people. It's doing what is right for their donors, what is right for their interests, their friends' interests. Mm. And that is becoming the issue. And Well, that has been an issue, but it's something that's being brought to light considerably, especially since Trump came around and he's not a politician. He's not no, a career he's not. politician. So 
it's bringing to light a lot of these other people who have had agendas and we're doing things for others that might not have been right for the people. And Actually, what we need that. is we need a shakeup. We need a change. And by the way, can I just give him a little credit here? Because when I first said, when he first said it, I was really pissed off. He's like, we could deploy the military. I'm like, what does that even mean? Yet the NYPD was out in all force. And I think he scared the heck out of these mayor and, and governor that he was actually going to do it. And I think there was a change there. I noticed I, there was a big change. I think that if it was just protests and if it was just, in my opinion, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I can't speak saying that this is the right way, but I don't think that the riots and the looting Mm-hmm. really do anything positive but if it was just the protest if it was just the dialogue if it was really the consistency of bringing to light and shutting down the world over this and it being everywhere about the fact that there's still a racial divide mm-hmm. in the world not just in our country but in the world that would not need any type of policing, let alone right. military. You're so right. By the way, I'm but because it's becoming looting. It's an issue. I'm having a friend of mine who actually also graduated from Queens, who was at a protest, a peaceful one, uh, on Monday. She's going to be on and talk about it, and I'm excited to have that conversation because I do want to yeah. be knowing what the front lines are doing and how they're handling the the non-peaceful ones because there are videos of that that they say, "Hey, we don't want you here. Get out of here." And I, I love that as well. But yeah. Ashi. Um, with all that being said, I've got to ask you this, and maybe you could be my counselor for a minute. <laughs> Why was I fr- so frustrated with the streets being blocked off for months and years? Like, I always just thought that blocking traffic wasn't the answer, but maybe if that's the way they're going to peacefully do it, they should do it that way. Um, when it comes to blocking traffic on streets, Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely helpful because that because if you think about it, a lot of marches when you have like going on St. Patrick's Day, when you have just think about it in mm-hmm. that regard, all these regular residential streets are blocked off. That's not an issue. I think doing something like that and blocking off streets and marching or just standing in one well, area let me, and pro- let me rephrase the doing question. that. Let yeah. me phrase it, blocking traffic then. That was always an issue I had. Blocking traffic, in my opinion, is not an issue. It's not that, it's, it's, it's yeah, it pisses people off. Yeah, it screws up people's timing and stuff like that. Yes, it's an inconvenience. But then when you find out why, when you get to know the why behind it, mm-hmm. then that's something. But that being said, blocking traffic on a highway that doesn't That's make sense. That's just idiotic. Like, so we're on the same page. I, I was it. worried I was the only one that was like blocking. No, traffic. I th- I think blocking traffic on a highway is just asking for trouble, and yeah, maybe the idea behind it. I don't even understand. I don't know the idea behind it. I don't understand it. But putting yourself in danger like that, mm-hmm. I don't think is really. You know, it, it's, I, I don't think it's smart because it you're literally it, saying, you know, cars going 60, 70 miles an hour on a highway. I'm just going to stand in front of them and tell them to stop. You saw this, the, this oil tanker was, the, the guy slammed on his brakes. And you know how long it takes that type of truck to stop? And, then, and finally, when he stopped, they ripped him out of the truck and they beat him senseless. Like, 
Mm. That doesn't. You're in that the middle help. of a highway. <laughs> All right, so I'm glad I'm not the only one that still has issues with some sort of protest. Like peaceful protest is different, but when you block traffic, especially on the highway, that's where it ends for me with the peaceful. Blocking traffic in general, in my opinion, not an issue because that's part of the protest going onto a highway and putting yourself into grave danger and then causing issues like that. Or how about, I just saw a video of um, recently of this truck pulling uh, horses and then people throwing these hand, these homemade fireworks into the back of the horse trailer. Like disgusting, disgusting. You're beating people up and causing harm to people and animals and stuff because they were driving on the highway and whatever like that's like people walking in the street understandable like that happens that's supposed to happen that's a protest people going in the middle people going into these areas to be seen to be heard mm-hmm. but I've when you're on a highway you're nowhere near other you know people areas the whole point of the protest is for mm-hmm. your voice to be heard if you're in the middle of a highway your voice is not being heard except for the deer on the side of the road all right um one last thing because i know it's a little later and i love this conversation and um there i've also seen two instances that freaked me out a dog had a rock throw had rocks you know had things pelted at it during this during the riot portion of the the, the outrage and then i saw a car being car bombed in the middle of this whole thing. And I saw a rioter pull out a gun, which had to be subdued by the police. So I've seen three different things that are like, all right, that's yeah. not what we're, um, what we're trying for here. I, th- I think, I think animal cruelty uh, should be viewed at just the same as if it was, uh, they were doing it to a human. Um, because that, just, if, in my opinion, if you can do something like that to an animal and harm an animal, you could definitely do it to a human being. And I think those people, should be treated justly. Uh, I agree. And, and um, Ashi, thanks so much for joining us tonight. But I want to know, every time I have you back on, I'm going to ask you this. What's the <laughs> impetus of the moment that we should be dealing with? And that's how I'll let you end the end. I love the play on words. What's the impetus of the moment? Honestly, it's, it's cliche, but change. Everything... Mm-hmm is before these protests, before the murder of George Floyd, there's been a lot changing because of the coronavirus. I think that everything in terms of business and how everything's happening in terms of the business world is changing. In terms of real estate, in terms of the economy, everything's changing and adapting to change is huge. Uh, To be able to live and prosper as a business owner or just as a regular person. But then now with the senseless murder of George Floyd and reopening mm-hmm. or bringing back to the forefront the I, the happenings of the civil rights movement and the racial divide, I think that there has to be change. That being mm-hmm. that it's 2020, we should not, everything that, you know, Malcolm X fought for that Dr. Mm-hmm. Reverend Martin, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. fought for, you know, we need serious change if this is still right. a, con- a continuing issue. Ashi, then I, I would have to say, 
that maybe we should keep an eye on more of the instances where black lives don't matter. You know what I mean? Like we shouldn't just do it after every one, after one big incident, there has to be a way to monitor it so that we can call it out when it happens and say, let's not do this again. So honestly, there, there's definitely a lot of, you know, a lot of news on that and not just news when I, I mean like, you know, CNN or NBC or ABC or any of these, you know, channels, let's call them that are talking about these types of things, but there's a lot of, there's still that divide that you have those little things that go unnoticed by people, honestly, sadly, like you and I, who mm-hmm. don't see this on a regular basis. Let's be real about it. We are don't, impacted we don't, we don't on acknowledge it. it. That's the problem. It's not, not that we don't acknowledge it. It's that we don't see it mm-hmm. and that we don't comprehend it. You know, when you see something, you, you, you would acknowledge it, but certain things happen that, won't like that won't happen to me happen to happen to my buddy jr Mm -hmm. because because he's black and things happen you know like that and it's it's sad that it's something that's happening and things aren't changing in the right way but we we have to we have to change we have to do something to really provide real equality and not just talk about it, but actually implement it, actually push, actually have reform for the police department and everything that's going on with that, have actual reform for everything. Uh, You know, let me, let me say one last thing. What you were saying about, about a lot of these rules. One thing that bothers me, is so you know you and i love sports the rooney rule in football yeah the fact that it has to be a thing bothers me the fact that they just changed the rooney rule that it used to be you have to have one coach of color that that is interviewing for a job now it has to be two why does it have to be a thing that they have to be required shouldn't they want to do it anyway there are so many coaches mm-hmm. of color who are really freaking good at what they do yep but are not getting the the recognition for it you have mike tomlin of the steelers my best friend you know gilly litwag he's a diehard steelers fan and so i follow the steelers because of that and mike tomlin's hands down one of the best coaches in the nfl right now and he gets looked at for every little bit, but then a lot of these coaches who are white are keeping their job that are half as good as he is. And he's getting criticized. Oh, maybe he's over the hill. Maybe like he's had what one non-winning season in the past, what 10 plus or something like that. I'll admit I've not been, and so I've not been totally happy with the way he, you know, he's not been winning as much. He's been, I just, there was his, one moment. His record, his I record know, shows otherwise though. But there was one moment that really got to me. So they're down about 24, nothing or 33, nothing to the Patriots. Belichick has the headset on. He's still fighting for it. Yet Tomlin kind of just had it off. And I was like, why don't you just fight to the end of the, the game? That was kind of my upset with him. But the way know, Tomlin also coaches, he doesn't always, it's not always about the headset because he does, he's not always the one calling the plays for the offense, that all that mm-hmm. stuff. There are many different reasons, but if you look at his record 
outside of this past year, which isn't his fault because, because, <laughs> you know, Roethlisberger was hurt, and then the whole issue with Mason Rudolph and that stupidity from yeah. him, and huh. and then not having any offensive weapons, you know, and his defense trying to hold it on by a string. You can't really count last year, but I think if you look at it this year, it's going to be a whole different ballgame for them. By the way, I want to push back on one thing you said that yep. white coaches get to stay. I mean, at least McCarthy did not get to stay after that eight and eight year. I mean, he was. That's a whole different ball of wax. Apparently, this whole thing with Aaron Rodgers and and, and that. That uh, apparently there was some underlying things that has has to do with that. But when I when I say that black coaches don't really or co- coaches of color don't really get, let's call it a second chance, because mm-hmm. they'll be at a team for like a year or two, and then they have you know a mediocre season because their team is mediocre, right? And then they're fired. Look at Lovey um, Smith. He ended up in Illinois. No one's ever really heard of him since, although he's been kicking ass up there. So that's pretty Yeah, cool. well, he was great with the Bengals the time that he was there. Well, but... he was with the Bears. And oh, no, got... the Bears. Sorry. He got in um, the Super Bowl, and unfortunately yeah. they lost, but he was great. But yeah, I've got to ask great. you this one thing, though, because then, yeah. you say, then you say for the draft situation, 10 picks up if you, like, make them, if you have them there for more than three years. Well, let's say his first two years aren't good. Why would you – why should they, if they go 0-16 that second year – keep them just for that i just think different story you know if 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 they really deserve it so if they really deserve to not have a job then they shouldn't have a job but so i'm going to preface this by saying not everything that stephen a smith says i agree with but he goes i've heard him go on rants about Mm -hmm. the rooney rule about black coaches look it up he's 100 percent right about about all this you know like i don't agree with a lot of that not everything i 50 50 basically Mm. but they're having now saying oh two half of the time the rooney rule they just do it to do it and to check the box off Mm. not because the coach actually has a shot and that's the issue and that's the biggest issue is that they're just doing it just to check a box just so they can't get fined like Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I don't get fined. That's it. Hmm. And I've that's also, the issue. Uh, and the and the other issue is some of these guys are not reading the room right now, demanding they have a contract. It's like, dude, we are in a bigger situation than what you're money making right now. That's another debate. I, but I, I I don't disagree with that because quickly, it's still their business. It's still their. It's still what they're doing. You know, they still deserve what they're getting because the NFL is going to reopen and everything is going to continue and. They deserve to have their contracts extended if they if they do, or to have one in general. And it's a business. It, yes, it's entertainment. Yes, honestly, it's just a distraction from half of the stuff that's going on. But it's still a business, and it's still people's livelihoods that are at stake. And you know, I was talking at the beginning of the coronavirus when all these when a bunch of these players were getting these big hefty contracts and stuff like that and my partner and I Brian were over at Impetus we were just we were debating it you know about is it really right and it's a distraction that's that's what sports really is it's these guys livelihoods yes mm-hmm. you know it's entertainment but it still is these guys livelihoods and it's a it's a welcome distraction from a lot of our Shit yeah. That well, that's why I love the Michael Jordan doc because that was such a great distraction and a great series. And actually, to be honest with you, I'm pretty pissed off that Sam Smith took time to find 
negatives with that team because and the documentary in one sector where they're like oh he didn't vote in this one thing who cares yeah, everyone's always got to look why, for why negatives him? you like got to round was, it out He's a he's a damn legend as far as as far as I'm concerned. But uh, when it comes to basketball, I'm so I didn't watch the documentary. Don't hate me. I haven't watched it yet. Haven't had time to really sit down and watch it. Um, I plan on it, but you know when it comes to basketball, Michael Jordan was otherworldly, and the fact that he left to go play baseball and mm-hmm. failed miserably at that. But the fact that he had the balls to do something like that and then go back to basketball and play as if nothing changed and just amazing. take over. And the motivation of that, no one maybe knew the story about how he wanted to do it because his dad and him, you know, his dad kind of yes. encouraged baseball. And so he did it because of his dad. And it was his dad always wanted to play baseball. Yeah, That series is so wild, the timing, because two white guys shot his father in a car, if, as the story goes. Yeah. A week later, we hear about Arbery who gets shot by two white guys. And I mean, what kind of weird foreshadow were they trying to say? Like, hey, this could still happen today. And it did happen a week later. They show from February it happened. So it's very interesting, the timing of all of that. But hey, yeah. Ashi, I want to know one last thing. Where can people find you? Uh, this has been a very in-depth combo. Where can <laughs> people find you? Just uh, look me up. Um, Facebook, it's just my name, like Asher always. Uh, Instagram, it's at always underscore Asher. Um, play off of my last name, my first name. It's uh, and Twitter also Asher always. You know, just Google my name. You'll be able to find me really wherever. With everything nowadays, it's very easy to find people. So, well, this, you know, this is great. I gotta have you back, obviously. And always, if, if people are listening just for the small loan, sorry we got off track, but this is great. This is what I love about this podcast. We just turn <laughs> any take any turn. And by the way, God's washing the earth right now. It's pouring outside. And this is amazing. Just the night after. What we really need is Mm -hmm. a cleansing of everything. People's souls need cleansing. People's mind need cleansing. And we need to really get back to the real, you know, basics of humanity, of loving one another, because we're all Mm -hmm. the same. We all bleed crimson. You know, we all are, we're all human. We're all the same. We all come from dirt. We all come from and, and end off. So, and you remind me of something I want to ask you. Maybe I did already. I forget this conversation is going all over. Do you think <laughs> we arrogantly assume as white people, do we arrogantly assume that we think black lives matter because we say all lives? Is there like an arrogance to that? I think whenever I hear people say all lives matter, they're, not trying to take away from Black Lives Matter, but they're trying to say that, oh, it's not just them. But again, going back to what I said about the house, two different two houses, one house being on fire, one house not right. going to put the fire out on, on the house that's on fire with the hose and instead saying, oh, all lives matter, all houses matter. So I'm going to, the same amount of water I'm going to pour on the house that's not on fire instead of the house or just, you know, it's, that's a really good metaphor for the situation. It's not that your life doesn't matter. It's not that no one gives a shit about you. It's that the black people are in a state of crisis, are in a situation mm-hmm. where they either feel like they don't matter or that they're being persecuted. They're being murdered 
because of the color of their skin. Even flipped off a damn balcony. That's how horrible it's been getting. So there's it's 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 horrendous, and it's not the fact that all lives don't matter because everyone's every human life matters. It's the fact that we have to shine the light on this sector of people. This group of people are not getting the love that they deserve and not getting treated the way they deserve. And that has to change. And I got to be honest, that white fragility kind of makes sense now because we're afraid to kind of stand. I don't know. It's just like, we can't be afraid anymore. We have to truly, truly voice and stand with the, with our black friends. We have to stand shoulder to shoulder, Mm -hmm. walk together, talk together, live together. And really once we as a human race Mm -hmm. are united and we really show that we are brothers and sisters regardless of the color of your skin regardless of your upbringing regardless of where you live regardless of your financial situation regardless of everything you're human you're a good person i love you and until we really hit that there's still going to be these groups or these people who are radicals and who will do what they want and will cause strife and cause these issues. And, and do you think though, and maybe you'll get a little, in, I don't know, but shouldn't we also hold them accountable when things don't go exactly how they should with, I don't know how to say it, but shouldn't there still be accountability for everyone while we still say they matter, they have to responsibly well, matter to themselves. So what, that means what my, when I, what I attribute stuff like this to is when you look at, everything not all you know not all jews are stingy not all blacks are criminals not all muslims are terrorists you know not all like the crusades not all christians are going to kill you know anybody and every when you look at every single sect of the human race every different religious sect every different racial section every group has a percentage, usually a small percentage, of radicals. Very small. But the issue is that these radicals' voices are louder than that of the regular people. What I was talking to somebody about earlier is that with all the riots going on, all you need are three people to go out and cause and start something and then out of a whole group of people a riot will erupt because these three people are wolves and Mm -hmm. all the hundred other people or however many are sheep and are following in this person's footsteps and that's the issue is that you have these small section of radicals that overshadow and that are louder than everybody else who aren't and then that's where stereotypes come about. That's where a lot of this discrimination mm-hmm. is, discrimination is because oh you're Muslim you're going to go blow oh you know you're going to go blow something up oh you're Jewish you're not going to you know you have a big nose and you and you're not paying anything oh you're black you're going to you, you know you probably have a a child somewhere that you don't know about and you're going to jail no fuck that because mm. that's not true. Excuse my language I apologize. But it's just, actually I'm glad you you know finally though finally. And I would say mainly conservative, you know, I don't know, Republicans, conservatives, finally, we're all coming to a point where we say, yeah, the rioters are not the protesters. And I've always thought that people loop them together and maybe we're finally realizing they're not. Yeah. 
it's it's going back to that blanket statement that not everybody's who's doing certain things are the same as everybody else. You know, it's and as you say, it's a very small percentage of those that are acting up. It's just they're making the most uh, noise right now. So yeah, I, I heard I heard a uh, video of this of this gentleman. I forgot his name, but he was literally talking about these looters and rioters who are taking this man's name in vain yeah. george floyd's name in vain and using it to go line their pockets with money go loot you know gucci what the hell are you going to the mall to loot gucci to loot macy's and <laughs> herald square to loot you know you're using it for the wrong thing if you're going to march if you're going to protest if you're going to close down a city mm-hmm. and cause and not go out and cause damage to other people's property, but to utilize your voice to make a difference, to make it be heard. Mm-hmm. That's what the reasoning should be. Not, oh, I'm just going to go and a lot of people just go and start looting. No. That's not what George Floyd would want. Hey, Ashi, this has been great. I love you, brother. And we will talk to you soon. Got to have you back. Yes, definitely. Always. I'm, I'm always here. I'm Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.